Oh, yes. It is the cheer for Old Motor Dave this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just put it plainly. I, I think people would have wanted to see Trevor Lawrence against Ian Book. As it was, I thought Clemson gave Notre Dame a run for its money, vice versa. And uh, Lane Clark, you know him from before, Irish 101 Saturday. What was that like for you? Well, because of the pandemic, they have really limited the number of media individuals. And so the organization that I affiliate with were only allowed one person. But I was next to campus in the Irish 101 Media Center and watched it from about 1,000 yards away. Uh, you could hear the stadium from where I was watching uh, with mm. the windows open, but it was just one of those days in Notre Dame football history that uh, you're glad to be a part of, and uh, it was a special night for Irish fans. As I said, you would have wanted to see Trevor Lawrence there just to see how Ian would fare against him, but overall, I mean, Ian Book every week seems to be showing his 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 fight, right? Well, Alex, uh, Trevor Lawrence was there. He just didn't play. Yeah, exactly. He was on he didn't the play. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But definitely, you know, this was a game that was circled on the calendars of many Notre Dame fans after that uh, game down in the college football mm-hmm. playoff in Dallas. And uh, people have talked about, is it a measuring stick game? But it, it, it could be a measuring stick game. But as you said, Ian Book continues to progress. He hasn't had, you know, a great game every game this season. But he seems to get the job done. And that's what winners do. And an interesting stat is, Ian Book has not lost at Notre Dame Stadium. That's uh, that is well, maybe it's touchdown Jesus giving him that luck at the end zone. You know, I, I've got to believe he's got some role in this. But let's talk about that. So you got you know the Irish have that devastating loss in the playoff, but now it, like they shook that off and they're just undefeated the last few weeks here. I mean, it, it's amazing the turnaround, wouldn't you say? Well, you you really can't look back. You always need to look forward. But in the back of your mind, it's like, hey, we need to remember that. But uh, those players on the team, some of them were on the, in that game, and, and they just wanted a little payback. But, you know, Brian Kelly has really challenged his team this year to ascend each week to a higher level, and they've responded. Now, there have been some hiccups when you take a look at the Louisville game and the Georgia Tech game was one game where, you know, they won handily, but you really expect Notre Dame to go out there and dominate mm-hmm. every game. But as Brian Kelly and the coaching staff have said, hey, winning is hard, and winning on the road is hard. But right now, things are going the way of the Fighting Irish. They're number two in the country. They've got a 23-game win streak at home and the longest win streak in college football right now. So enjoy it while you can because I know Boston College and Phil Jerkovic would like to would like yeah. to say, hey, we, we can beat you. Well, let's talk about the ACC in a second because that's a big move. Because remember, this team was independent for, for, for its existence until, what, this year. But let's talk about that in a second. COVID-19 has definitely impacted Notre Dame. That's kind of why I was kind of surprised to see them storming the field like that. I mean, this was a school that's been affected by COVID uh, immensely and the team itself. But the rebound from that has been amazing, hasn't it? COVID-19 has affected college football. You know, when the pandemic first came out and spring ball was interrupted, Clemson had 26 players that tested positive. But Notre Dame uh, was really uh, visionary and they put – put protocols in place and they've had their share of it as well as you've been probably read uh and then of course on campus there's been a spike president john jenkins contracted the COVID 19 virus when he was at the white house and it, it didn't help to have the students storm the field the other night because there has been a significant rise on campus and i know brian kelly and the coaching staff will test again today 
and you just hope that that COVID virus has not uh, translated itself to the players after that celebration. Len, aren't you kind of excited to be sort of an independent from the team itself? Like you could say that because I feel like members of the Irish may not say that type of thing. I don't know. I, it just, from an outsider perspective, it just did not look good considering the school has that. But anyway, what if it, what are kids going to do, right? They just beat Clemson. I don't blame them for storming the field at all, to be honest. Well, you know, I did I, I did look at some of the photos, and uh, all students are required to wear masks, so they, they stormed the field. But if you look at the photos, most of them were married, wearing masks, so that's right. a good thing out of that. Well, that is a great thing. Now, let's talk about Brian Kelly, because obviously um, – Kelly, you know, I mentioned he deserved the contract. Someone laughed at me. I said, I don't know why you're laughing because the guy's a great coach. But that contract was a huge deal this year, and, and I think it's it's well worth it uh, considering this weekend alone. You know, when you get the contract signed and out of the way, then you can kind of get that out of your mind and really focus on what's, in more, what's most important. That's building your football program. Mm-hmm. But Brian's been there for 11 years. He's closing in on Newt Rockney's record. And you've seen him change – over the 11 years when he first got there he was the fiery guy that was red on the sideline and and now when you watched him in that clemson game it was Dabo sweeney who was the guy who was red in the very fired up oh my gosh and brian kelly was just sit there with a mask on his face and look very stoic but you know he's been coaching for 30 years no i have to say that the press conference last monday with brian kelly was one of the most bizarre ones because you expect the coach to come out and say hey we're ready to beat clemson and he said, hey, you know, if we lose, there's still a lot of football. And so a lot of people are like, what's he talking about? You know, you got to get your team fired up. But but that's why know, he wins, man. That's that's just, that's just been, that's his thing. I think. But, you know, Brian has uh, hired good coaches and he's kind of stepped back and, and let those individuals like Clark Lee, who really had a great defensive scheme for Clemson and Tommy Reese, Tom Reese uh, with Ian Book and. You saw the results of that on uh, Saturday night at Notre Dame Stadium. And mm-hmm. uh, this is a team that, you know, I think the thing that really impressed me was with the adversity and losing that lead. You know, they come back and score uh, a touchdown in the final minute to send the game into overtime. Well, and, you know, Tommy Reese, another guy, you know, they showed him in the press in the coordinator box the other day on Saturday night. And I'm like, that's cool. Now, I've got a quick story. So I think I told you when the Irish played the Army here in 2010. Um, at Yankee Stadium, my dad and I ventured up there. A couple of years prior, I got in all this Notre Dame stuff, so I really started to become a fan. So I was excited to see the game. But I sat next to the father of the punter, I don't remember who that was at the time, who was rooming with Tommy Reese. I'm like, that's cool. Because Reese was the big shot at the time. Remember, he was just a great quarterback for Notre Dame, and, and now he's back as a coordinator. I think that's great. And do you find that happening a lot, like alumni coming back and, and being in the community still? You know, it's tough for an alumni, uh, alumnus to come back, especially at Notre Dame. And we saw what happened with Charlie Weiss. But uh, Tom's going to come here. You know, he's got the credentials. You know, he was with Northwestern and with uh, the Los Angeles Rams, I believe, or the San Diego Chargers. You know, he was in the NFL for a short stint and comes from an NFL family. And, you know, he's just a football guy. And I think the great thing with him is that because he played quarterback at Notre Dame, he can relate to Ian Book. And I think that's so important right now because you might say that Ian Book is in a bubble because of COVID. You know, he's kind of separate and they're trying to, they're trying to protect him. And I know the, the, the message that he's getting from Tom is that, hey, this is part of, you know, the responsibilities of being a quarterback at Notre Dame. And they say, you know, the three hardest things in the world are 
president of the United States, Pope of the Catholic Church, and quarterback <laughs> at Notre Dame. <laughs> oh man, that is that is very true considering the tradition there. So I'm sure. So basically, he can't go out and do anything at all because they want him so isolated. Is what you're telling me? Well, I, I we really don't know because the media have have not seen a practice, and we have very little interaction. Our press conferences are conducted by Zoom, and they've kind of kept him off. He was there after the game, but the, the weekly ones, you know, they try to get more players involved. So we really don't know, you know, what his day-to-day regimen is. But we do know that he has been really focusing on the game plan that has been put in front of him, and he's responded. Hey, you're still on Fan Media Network, right? So what's that been like reporting for them on this season so far? Well, I report on a number of different platforms. And so I think the opportunity to be on many platforms to get the message out about Notre Dame is a, is a great thing not only to – uh, help you develop your craft, but also to brand yourself as uh, being a reporter and uh, covering one of the most historic and legendary football programs. That's how we met. And yeah. uh, it, it's kind of living a dream. And I don't want to say I take it for van- uh, for granted, but uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to teach at Notre Dame and I'm around there all the time. But I'll tell you a story, Alex, back in I think 2013 when Wake Forest came to Notre Dame Stadium, I have a friend who is on the Wake Forest radio network, and he said, hey, can you come out and kind of help us up the equipment, give us a little bit of the lay of the land? And on Fridays, they open up the the stadium where fans can come and walk through the tunnel. And so we went and set up the equipment in the opposing locker room, and then on the way out, I saw this individual, and he had to be 101-plus years of age, Mm -hmm. and he looked distressed. And I thought there was something wrong. And I went up to him. I said, sir, are you okay? Can I help you? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, I've waited my whole life to come here. I and love that, that story. Me. I remember when you told that, that the last time. And, and from our new viewers, I mean, that story is just huge. And, and it's so so special. And, yeah, you're going to have those stories, right? I mean, that's just Notre Dame football right there. Right. And, you know, that helped uh, lead into a project that I do called the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project where – we're trying to gather stories like that about Notre Dame Stadium. And so we're also, mm-hmm. you know, selling a uh, commemorative certificate to honor one's game. And then some of the proceeds go to the Aeroparsegian Medical Research Fund. But, you know, when I have an opportunity to hear people's story or they visit campus for the first time, that kind of brings me back to my first days. You know, I walk by the stadium every day and I don't walk by it the same way I used to after meeting that individual because now I know there's a story and I don't take it for granted. Well, you know who has the win like a you know fight like a champion sign or had it in his office was Regis Philbin. He was no oh, Regis. Alum. Well, I've got a Regis story as well. You know, Regis Tell was me. one of the great. Uh, Regis was one of the great alumni, and uh, I, I had the opportunity to meet him and see him up in the press box. And the last time I saw him, he was with the actor Martin Short, whose kids went to Notre Dame. Oh, wow. But the funny thing is, is that Regis was on campus and they wanted him to do some commercial and he didn't have a sport coat. And hmm. so they saw me and they said, sir, you're about the same height as Regis Philbin. Can we borrow your sport coat? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so Regis wore my jacket. <laughs> well, I've got to send you it. I was actually on Regis's show uh, in 2003. Uh, I, he was a big Yankee fan and he and Donald Trump were in the same suite as George Steinbrenner in George Steinbrenner's suite. And I was a guest of the Steinbrenners, and that's kind of how I met Notre Dame because they had Notre Dame connections back then. But Regis, after the 2003 ALCS from Boone hit the homer, said, you know, it was a long, I'll, I'll tell you off air, it's a little big story, but I've said it here before. Regis was very kind. He was opening his doors to everybody and he even, you know, opened his doors to my family and I. So we're very thankful to him. And, and yeah, he loved the Irish. He just, he loved them. Now, uh, well, you know, when, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. No, no, tell me. The, 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, they, they really lost a, a great uh, PR and vocal person uh, on that national, international stage when Regis passed, and he's buried on campus, so. Mm. Well, that's kind of how I feel with Queens College, because, you know, Jerry Seinfeld went there, and all you see in the Seinfeld episodes is Queens College. So we've had some vocal people from my uh, my side of the mm-hmm. town, too. Now, Len, let's get back to the ACC did you think they'd adapt to them that well this year early on uh, for the first season? Well, Notre Dame has been playing football for 132 years, and it's the first year that Notre Dame has affiliated with a conference. It's an experiment. Uh, they will not go to the ACC conference next year. Uh, but I think after watching that game with Clemson, a lot of fans will say, no, we do not want to affiliate with uh, the ACC conference after what we saw the other night. But it was one out of necessity of COVID-19 where they needed to play football and of course bringing the Notre Dame brand uh, really uh, brought some attention to the ACC and uh, enabled them to play football. So I wasn't aware independents are not playing this year is that what it is or? Oh well I think BYU is and BYU has been in the conference and I think they're you know they're number but they're in the top 10 this this week but uh, this is just a weird year and you know it's interesting that Notre Dame is kind of one of the top teams in this weird year because every time there is a historical presence in college football, Notre Dame is always at the forefront. And so why not Notre Dame this year? And what's going to be really interesting is that, you know, for the first time in Notre Dame football history, you had a Notre Dame football player named ACC Conference Player of the Week. And Notre Dame is in contention to play in the ACC championship game where they could see Clemson again. And Possibly, Alex, you could see Clemson a third time if Clemson is a top four team and Notre Dame is too. Right. They could see each other in a national championship game. So this is just one of those weird years. I thought it was weird when Alabama loses in the SEC championship game and becomes national champion. I know. It just, it just, you know, those things happen. But I'll tell you, um, COVID and everything aside, it just, this team has really come up, you know, come to the forefront with it, as you say. Uh, so what's next? Like, okay, you can't celebrate the win too much, but what's next for Notre Dame? Well, Boston College is next, and that's what's on their mind is Brian Kelly will meet with members in the media in about an hour and a half, and then we will kind of just get a recap of that Clemson game. And they and beat really uh, Syracuse over is. the weekend, so that should be an interesting matchup then. Yeah, and so it's a chance for Notre Dame to see Phil Dracovic, and boy, what a storyline if Phil Dracovic, somebody who leaves Notre Dame, comes back and and beats the team that he left. But uh, it's going to be a competitive football game because every time an opposition plays Notre Dame throughout the record, this is their Super Bowl. And Notre Dame is always a marked team. And they're hoping, you know, the biggest thing right now is just to make sure the team is healthy from a COVID standpoint. Uh, If there is a rise and they do have to cancel the game, Notre Dame has a bye week next week, and so does Boston College. So you could possibly see that game being played a week from Saturday. And you just never can tell in this age of COVID-19. Well, let me ask you this, because, you know, some of my friends are like, oh, why are we even having sports? It distracts from all the social justice and the COVID. I think sports is healthy. But let me ask you, do you think Notre Dame has broken through that whole um, news cycle with their play. Like, have pe- more people taken notice this year than, than maybe? But yeah, I don't know. It just have they been able to withstand the COVID coverage? Have they broken through? Well, Notre Dame is expected to always be a top tier program. Now they've had some down years, and when you lose one game, that's a down year at Notre Dame. 
I think mm-hmm. the real difference this year is the defense. Clark Lee has done wonders with that defensive unit, especially the defensive line. And Notre Dame is now getting multiple sacks per game. And that's something you did not see at the beginning of the Brian Kelly era. And you saw that in the last play against Clemson in the double overtime when they pressured DJ Owangalale and that really won the game for them. Yeah. Uh, but then you saw that defense starting to kind of run out of gas in the third quarter. But another thing has been the strength and conditioning program implemented by Matt Ballas. When Brian Kelly got there, it was a good program, but Ballas came in and really challenged the players and you could see the physical conditioning as opposed to running out of gas in the fourth quarter or in November when the season started getting to the latter stages, you saw Notre Dame, you know, maintaining that physicality. That's been the difference. So you're not allowed in the, to, to see all the practices and everything like that. So what's this been like covering it for you? I mean, it's got to be tough not being around them constantly trying to get the information in. Well, the, thing, the biggest thing that I miss is the interaction with other media members. You know, they're like your extended family. But mm-hmm. you, you have to take a look at the silver lining in the dark cloud. And we're on Zoom. Zoom is, or, and, or similar type programs, are our gateway to access to the players and the coaches. And in some ways, it's been making our jobs a little bit easier where we don't have to fight traffic and crowds <laughs> and run up to a press box and then run down to a locker room. And so I, I've embraced it. I do miss the interaction, the personal interaction. But uh, And I'm sure you missed the, the full stadium behind done. you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but this could be, you know, there are speculation that you're going to see this in 2021, uh, this type of uh, media arrangement. And it's 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 what it is. You can't do anything about it. Uh, you just make the best of it, and that's how we're approaching it. So, I, I gotta ask this because also on my mind is how, you know, one of the big I would say rival of, of Notre Dame. Whenever they play, it's big. Michigan. I mean, they're having troubles this year. So, what do you foresee on the rest of the college football? Could Notre Dame be number one by by year's end? Well, you got Alabama as the number one team in the country, and. <laughs> Alabama could be knocked off in the SEC if that happens. Notre Dame might slide up to the top spot. But the only poll that matters is the one at the end of the year. I think from a boasting standpoint, from a legitimizing their place in college football standpoint, it's good to see Notre Dame in that top four. I know a lot of people are upset when Ohio State started to play and they leapfrogged over Notre Dame to become the number three team in the country. But it is what it is. The top four positions are the most important when it comes to college football. And we still have a lot of football left to be played in an ACC championship game if Notre Dame gets in it. And as you say, the COVID stuff is still something to watch. So um, do you know the protocols in practice? Like, are these guys masked up in practice? or The coaches are masked up. The, the players obviously cannot be. Oh, but true. they test three times a week. They'll test today. They'll test Wednesday and one time before the game. And you just never know. And so it's, you mentioned Michigan. There's a great phrase by the infamous coach, Bo Schembechler. He said, sudden change. And that was really as a way to inspire us as player and say, instead of, you know, frowning and being, you know, adversity on a fumble and losing possession, you know, rise up and say, Hey, we're going to stand up and not, not let them in the end zone. Sudden change, you know, come rise to the top. There you go. And that's what that's and And, and Brian Keller's mantra is next man in. So I know they're trying to get as many players uh, into the games to give them game experience because you never can tell. And Ian Book might get knocked mm-hmm. out of the game. And 
Uh, well, well, look at Dallas. Look at the not you know just look at Dallas. I mean, football's been funny for everybody this year, right? So you, you just never know. But Ian's been you know able to stay on his feet and pretty healthy this year. Yeah, he's like a point guard in basketball who keeps distributing the ball to the scorers, and he gets the job done. You know, he's not flashy. His stats weren't that great until the second overtime period. When you look at his stats, he ended up with 310 yards passing, but during the regular you know portion of the game, it wasn't very solid it, it was it was good but nothing that would put him in the uh, Heisman trophy status sure. but well, uh, the most important stat is winning and he'll and his it. heart I think he's a scrappy player he really yeah. is yeah but he's got uh, a nice complement of people around him the Notre Dame run mm-hmm. game is really a, 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 you know done wonders over the past year with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree and it's uh, the passing game not like it was last year with a player like a Chase Claypool, but you've got a solid nucleus of with wide receivers, and some of them are starting to become more and more prominent. Uh, we'll have to find out about Javon McKinley, who had a big game against Clemson. He did not play in the overtime period because I think he came down on an elbow. We'll get an injury update on him, but losing him would mm-hmm. be a, a big loss because he was starting to separate himself from the others on the depth chart. Len, I know this isn't your only passion, but and not your only project. So talk about what you're working on as well, in addition to Irish 101. Oh, it depends on the day of the week and the time <laughs> of the day. But, you know, I have a very eclectic background that also includes higher education, where I've been very fortunate to teach at Notre Dame. Uh, but I, I'm, a, I'm a person with a radio background who reinvented myself with the advent of the smartphone. And so I'm in a project right now with a colleague at Michigan State called Create with Mobile, where we are trying to disrupt the traditional college textbook by using a deck of cards that spotlights about 35 of our colleagues from around the world that offers uh, a tip with a dynamic QR code where you can constantly go and see updated examples of their work. And our goal is to have a global footprint around the world to contribute to journalism education. Uh, How's it been as a professor then? I've got to ask that this whole it, 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 over my 35 plus years or with Notre Dame <laughs> oh well, the, well are you professing are you a professor still or no well not right now I the class that I teach is not being offered this semester so I will okay. teach on occasion but you know in the past I've been a full-time professor but right now I serve as a media consultant and that's where my bread and butter is uh but uh, looking I'd like to get back into Notre Dame full-time uh, but it's being around students. The great thing about college is that students never age. They're the same age. Mm. So they kind of keep you young. Uh, there's that passion that gives you a reason why you got into the industry. And if you can help one uh, in their career path, then uh, you'll know that you've made a difference in their life. And that's what really makes it very special, especially the students at Notre Dame, because they are so passionate and, and wanting to and wanted to do great things in life. Well, Len, I'm so glad we got to catch up here because it's been a little bit. And uh, obviously, after every big win, who do I text first? Len Clark. <laughs> I'm like, Len, well, let's talk about this on Monday. Well, I said the last time we talked to you, I think we were driving back from the Camping World Bowl and we were on our way between uh, Orlando, Florida and Atlanta. Phil, That's right. Phil, how can I? And so that helped us break up the trip. And it's, as I said, it's always great to talk to uh, to talk to you and, and somebody who's very passionate about Notre Dame football and hopefully uh, others that uh, have that passion uh, will follow us and learn and a bit more been, about the program. I've also been researching Friends of Notre Dame. I got to get them involved too. I don't know if you know much about them, but they have that big organization, Friends of Notre Dame, and then they have a Notre Dame New York City club. So that's pretty cool too. Oh, yeah. 
but you know that's the great thing at one time they said the british empire the sun never set well we know that the british empire is not what it used to be but if you take a look at a at an organization really it's the university of notre dame that has the global footprint so anywhere you go in the world there is a little localness when it comes to notre dame I was rollerblading to watch Notre Dame, and I saw a girl with a Notre Dame sweatshirt. I'm go, Notre Dame, you know, and it's just cool. It's fun to have that camaraderie. So uh, thanks for it all is. you guys do in South Bend. Now, for my listeners who may not have heard you before, aren't you a, a local? Like, aren't you a South Bend native or no? No, I live in Portage, Indiana, which is about 50 miles away. So I okay. live, you know, halfway between South Bend and Chicago. But here's the interesting thing. South Bend is in the eastern time zone. I'm in the central time zone. <laughs> So when I was teaching a class at Notre Dame, I said I hated Mondays, but I love Fridays because I could leave at five in the afternoon and get home at five. But on Mondays, I would leave at six o'clock in the morning and get there at eight. So, and then you had to deal with the clock change too, like all this daylight savings. Oh yeah, stuff. that's a that's a whole television series right there. So, <laughs> well, but, hey, yeah, you but, did uh, it. Gr- that's the point. <laughs> but we grew up in Northwest Indiana, and I just have to tell you, Alex, that uh, Saturday was a beautiful day. Every spectrum of the rainbow was represented and the most important colors that night were the blue gold green and orange Uh, but more importantly it was the green of the end zone that the irish found to preserve that victory right and i think you said you didn't you grow up a notre dame fan in general so this has been uh, this must have been oh yeah i was very fortunate to go to school there as well so yeah it's it's part of the dna and as i said i just uh, have a passion for it now when you're a media member it's a little bit different because you're supposed to be objective but we uh I still wish I can go back to the to the feeling I had of my first game, which was in 1972, which was a loss to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, but that's why I always like to talk to people who come to campus for the first time, and you you can see their wide eyes and and, and talking about their experience of seeing the stadium. And it's changed so much because I still am a big fan of the old stadium and being able to park right next to it and the old press box that didn't accommodate as many people. But, you know, you have to keep up with the times. And I, I, I'm very, very fortunate. It's like the old adage, I'm an analog person that translated to the digital age. And I'm a Notre Dame fan that grew up in the Parsegian years that is now covering them in the Kelly years. Well, there you go. And look at the great coach. I mean, I, I would consider Ty Willingham a great coach. You know, all these coaches in between that. So it's been an interesting ride coaching-wise. Mm-hmm, it has. And, you know, Notre Dame is the cream of the crop. And it's a, mm-hmm. a dream job for everybody. Uh, but right now, Kelly, Brian Kelly is leading them. And hopefully they'll lead them to championship number 12, which is a controversy because there are those who still think that the 1964 MacArthur Bowl uh, should be considered a national championship as well as 1970. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to uh, go to my research department to, to find out more about that. But Len, for now, where can people find you? Where can they find your, your work? Well, the easiest thing with Facebook and social media, Irish 101, and that's the one thing I found instead of just building one website is to try to uh, you know, get your product out on as many different platforms as possible. And so you can find me on probably every one of the the. Notre Dame Facebook type groups. I do affiliate with Irish Illustrated, so irishillustrated.com. And uh, what I've been doing this year is uh, reports made possible by a grant from Indiana Dunes to, you know, to spotlight the, the, one of the newest na- na- national parks in the United States. And then I've been very fortunate to do a radio program for the third year in Dublin, Ireland on Sundays. Look at that. To talk and about I'm Notre Dame. But, I'm sure over in Ireland, you got a lot of fighting Irish, literal Irish fans out there too. 
following you guys. So literally, literally Irish fans out there. But uh, no, college football is becoming more and more of a international sport. Well, right, and, and weren't they supposed yeah. to? I think this year go out to play in Dublin, and I think yes, COVID scrapped that, was, that. Right. COVID scrapped that. They canceled that game with Navy. But as I said, Notre Dame is a you know an international presence, and actually there's a player from Germany on the team this year. And so our goal right now is to expand from Ireland and start getting some media coverage in Germany. Well, I'll uh, maybe I'll, we'll tag some German outlets here then too. So hey, uh, Len, God bless you and and go Irish and thanks again for joining and please come back as the season progresses here. Thanks, Alex. You have a great day and hello to all your listeners and go Irish. Go Irish. I'm Alex Garrett and we'll talk to you soon.